Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Now, as I was young and easy under the apple boughs, about the lilting house, and happy as the grass was green, the night above the dingle starry, time let me hail and climb, golden in the heydays of his eyes, and honoured among wagons, I was prince of the apple towns. And once below a time I lordly had the trees and leaves Trail with daisies and barley down the rivers of the windfall light. And as I was green and carefree, famous among the barns about the happy yard, And singing as the farm was home, in the sun that is young once only, time let me play and be golden in the mercy of his means. And green and golden I was huntsman and herdsman, the calves sang to my horn, the foxes on the hills barked clear and cold, and the Sabbath rang slowly in the pebbles of the holy streams. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you fiery chili dog. Those opening lines were from a poem called Fern Hill by the extraordinary and brilliant Dylan Thomas. My name's Owen and I'm delighted, really, truly delighted that you are listening to Copon. I'm amazed at how well and quickly Copon is growing. We've got listeners from all over the world, from Germany, South Africa, India, Hong Kong, etc., etc. Thank you all for listening. If you like the show, please do let other people know about it. But without any further Freddy ado, let's treat this episode like a Wellington three-year-old treats a puddle and just jump right in. Enjoy, my dears. Enjoy. So, <laughs> I am thrilled and excited and elated, all three of those things, to be joined by Dave from Dave's LFC Chats and by Robin Hassan. Um, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about the brilliance of Shrewsbury, the kids. Uh, we're going to talk about the winter break as we go into it and, and all that that means for Liverpool Football Club, the mighty, the beautiful, the top of the world, best club in the world, Liverpool FC. And I'm going to start with Dave. Dave, tell us, how is Dave's LFC chats going? And apparently you were just speaking to John Gibbons from the Anfield Rap and they've got some gigs coming up or something. So how are you? How's Dave's LFC chats? And uh, what were you talking to John Gibbons about? Yeah, Owen and Robin, how are you guys? Um, I was just chatting there literally about half an hour ago to John from the Anfield Rap. He's, he's, a, he's a great fella. They're a great group of lads, to be honest with you. They do a great job. Redman team do a great job too, but the Anfield Rap, um, they do live shows. They do um, a lot of live shows up on stage. It's all Liverpool content. It's celebration of being a Liverpool fan. 
Um, five or six of them come over to Ireland every year. They're coming this weekend to Ireland. They're flying into Belfast on Friday night. They have a gig on Friday night in Belfast, then Saturday in the Opium Theatre in Dublin, central Dublin, and on Sunday in Cork, and I think they're in the States in March. They're, they're, they're all over. They're worldwide. But, um, yeah, no, check out them, because I still think there's a few tickets. Any Irish listeners listening, there's a few tickets still left for the Irish, three Irish gigs this weekend. Check out the Anfield Raps website. But, um, wow, how am I? Oh, I am absolutely Thierry unreal. I am absolutely, I'm in dreamland. I was, as I said to John earlier, I mean, it's, it's pinch yourself stuff. It's, it's 22 points clear. In the first week in February, it, it's ridiculous. We're sending out the kids. We're sending out the kindergarten kids, and they're winning games in in the FA Cup. It's absolutely crazy stuff. It really is. It's 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 genetics. It's it's actually football genetics. It's 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 unbelievable. I'm lost for words, and that's very hard for me to be lost for words. But I am a happy camper at the moment. <laughs> Excellent answer. We're all sort of cock a hoop. I hope everybody's enjoying this season. Uh, it's it's the greatest thing ever, really, isn't it? Uh, uh, Robin, the the kids were good last night, didn't they? Do well against Shrewsbury, and how the heck are you? Welcome back to Cop On. Oh, thanks, Owen. Hi, hi, David. Um, the what a game that was. Um, the kids did really well. I, th- I think the most of them, the media and the pundits and the fans would agree with me to say that it was a matured performance and, and they did us proud. They did Liverpool proud and they did, did themselves and the academy proud as well. Um, we all uh, were excited to see the kids play um, for the decision that Klopp made to play his youngsters. And we didn't really know what to expect. Um, we had a mixed uh, reaction from the Aston Villa game, great performance, good periods of the game, but the result wasn't the one we wanted. Um, they did fantastic against Everton, but there was a few sprinkles of um, senior players, not many, but some of the first-team players. But this was completely all on them and um, without any kind of influence from the first-team or club. And they did really proud. What I really liked about them was uh, not just the maturity, it's the technique that they showed, the composure. And, and they took the game to Shrewsbury. The majority of the game was at Liverpool's pace. They dominated. They... They showed that they're not scared. The Anfield crowd uh, obviously boosted their um, confidence. And they matched them, not just for technique and skill, physically as well, considering some of these guys are, or guys, some of these boys are just young men. They're probably hitting adolescence or um, they're still building into their frame and they don't have the same kind of muscle mass and and um, the the power that the opponents have. But... You wouldn't you wouldn't guess that on the pitch. They they gave it the all and they outplayed them at times. And I watched um, on a stream online, and it was interesting to see how some of the commentators from around the world were actually surprised by how rich our academy and the players coming through, how gifted they are, and how close they are to first team action. Perhaps not to our Liverpool first team caption, uh, first team action, because they're their leagues uh, beyond anybody else, but they could easily slot into um, most of the Premier League teams and play regularly even now at this age of 16, 17, 18. So I am super, super chuffed and they've got a great future. I was in two minds whether or not 
I really wanted kids to play because I'm, I'm, I'm very greedy. I want all the, all the trophies and I don't want an opportunity to lose. But seeing them, you can see how much they've learned from the first two outings with Everton and um, uh, Aston Villa and, and the first tie with Shrewsbury and how they managed to uh, manage the game, the intelligence on the game to control it. It was it was a joy to watch. I'm so so happy. Everything seems to be perfect. I can't think of a single thing at a club that um, that I want changing or making better. Just when I think it can't get better, it just gets one step um, uh, one step beyond to what we would ever imagine possible. Fantastic. That's a great answer. Yeah, although um, you say it's going to be very hard to improve us. Uh, I read today in the Guardian sports section that Messi could be available on a free in 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 the summer. Um, you never know. But uh, no, going going back to this game, Shrewsbury, our lineup with the ages of the players. So we had Kelleher in goalies, twenty one. Nico Williams, eighteen. Hoover just 18 in January. Vandenberg, just 18 in December. Adam Lewis, who's still only 20. Pedro Chirivella, the Yoda of the team, the old wizened man, or alien, because he was out of this world. He's 22. Uh, We had Clarkson, 18. Kane, 18. Elliot, 16. He's not even old enough to watch people hump on screen uh, and then we had the captain Curtis Jones 19 years old only just as well and Liam Millows 20 um, the boys did extremely well who stood out for you Dave I mean there were several names that just did themselves ec- I mean everybody did themselves proud but some of those performances were out of this world I thought David get, you know in the circumstances who stood out for you yeah Alan, um, it was. I'll tell you one thing that stood out for me last night was FA the FA's disgraceful reaction to Liverpool and Klopp not being there and not showing the game live there was no worldwide rights for that game last night which I thought was a bit of a disgrace it was a bit of a slur on Liverpool for the fact that Klopp wasn't going to be there and he wasn't going to play his first team. He was going to play his under-23s and let Neil Critchley take over. But um, anyway, that's for another day's work. But um, I'll tell you what, there were three or four players who stood out for me. Um, Chervelia, I think I'm pronouncing that right, he's 22. As you say, he's the elder statesman. He's a really good game. Um, he had a really good game following on from that game he had against Everton. Um, young Elliot, Harvey Elliot, E.T., Elliot, exciting teenager, 16 years of age. It's ridiculous. He, he, I tell you, he keeps his head on. He gets his hair cut for proper hairstyle. That guy can really be a proper, a really, really exciting um, prospect. Also, Nico Williams, the young fullback, 18. He really has, he has got an unbelievable, he just keeps his head on, keeps it right, keeps it going. He really has a chance of getting in. We're short at fullback. Really, look, last night, I, I promote, I think I gave man of the match last night, young Nico Williams. Uh, he was unbelievable. Hoover was like Dyson, hoovering up the mid, hoovering up the midfield and defence. Um, Vandenberg, Sip Vandenberg, actually, who came in for a bit of criticism um, in the last game or two, had a very solid game last night. And he was only 18 at Christmas time. I mean, it, it's, they were the boys who stood out for me. Quiva uh, Keller, the young Irish goalkeeper, of course, had a good game and goal. But I mean, to get into Liverpool's team, you've got to be exceptional. You've got to be, you know, 
Okay, I'll say in the likes of Jones, maybe Williams and Hoover, and of course, I don't, and like Chevalier, Crevelia. Can you see them starting for Liverpool's 11, even in, say, August this year? I sort of can't, really. But it's great backup to have. It's great guys to have there. It's great experience for the young lads last night. I, I was a bit fearful last night. I thought Shrewsbury would have bullied them. I thought they would have beat them. A League One team, you know, old, old uh, heads and shoulders and get up, get in behind them, tackle them and drag out with them. Liverpool had all the possessions, need all the chances. They had a disallowed goal, of course, but, you know, other than that, an own goal by an ex-United youth player as well, which, which went down beautiful. But it was a great win, 53,000 at the match. Great experience for the lads. Where else are you going to get that experience? Where are they going to get 53,000 screaming at them? Um, I think Klopp was right to do it. The FA Cup has lost its luster. Um, it's lost it over the last 10, 15 years. So I think he was right to do what he did. He's on his holidays. He's enjoying it. And we move on. Chelsea way next game. Will he play the same team? I don't think so. I think he'll mix it up. But they like to match up Lovren, Keita, uh, Millie, maybe Shaq, Mane coming back from injury. Those type players. They mix it up. It'll be half and half, I think, for the next game, similar to what he played against Everton. But you never know. Klopp might feel that he might want to go for it. I don't know. But um, I was really, really impressed with last night. I really was. And the future looks bright, my friend. The future's bright and it's uh, it's beautiful. It's, it's, I can't, it's hard to process, isn't it? What, what a brilliant, I don't know, club we have everywhere. The youth, uh, the reserves, I mean, under 20, the average age, 19 years and 108 days. Days. That was the average age. Um, you mentioned the Chelsea uh, Chelsea in the next round. Uh, that would be on Thursday the 5th of March at 8.45 UK time kickoff. It's an odd one because I think it's because they had the winter break now. Uh, so they needed to find uh, an extra sort of midweek fixture in the football calendar and the FA Cup having lost its luster regardless of whether they get hissy fits and stop it being on TV or not I mean that's going to make it even worse for them surely they scored an own goal as well as that ex-United man uh, the FA did anyway um, what am I rabbiting on about not quite sure here are some stats for Liverpool Shrewsbury yesterday uh, it was one goal to nil that's the key one. Uh, the possession was 70% for Liverpool, 30% for Shrewsbury. We had 14 shots and 14 corners. They had four shots and three corners. We only had four shots on target. They had none. Although, as Dave rightly mentioned, Cuevin Kelleher did come out well and, you know, command his box a lot more than in the last two games when he's conceded 10 goals in two games I thought he was very solid yesterday as well but uh, who stood out for me was pretty much as Dave said shout out to Sepp Vandenberg who was criticised and he suddenly found some kind of gusto and and courage and hardness that I didn't think he had in him after those first two games you can't write anyone off they're learning they're learning from the best and it's so good to watch uh Robin um 
uh, who stood out for you and I imagine it's pretty much the same players and moving on to our captain especially Curtis Jones he was one of the standouts wasn't he yeah <clears throat> yeah I think Curtis Jones has impressed me every time he's played this season a lot more than I had anticipated or expected um, there was touches of just outrageousness he did a Rabona cross he did this really nice uh, drag back and I think it's a nutmeg as well um have the confidence to do that you expect the youngsters to have that confidence but to be able to pull it off in front of 53,000 when it's still nil nil it shows a lot of um, balls to do that so he was quite uh, classy it he also carried the game well um, he, he led the team well he was popping up on the left in the middle on the right he was everywhere he covered a lot of grass on that pitch yesterday um, and you can see that he's, he's oozing quality he's using um, skill and He's far beyond, um, the skill is far beyond the age he shows. It's a bit unfortunate that he's at this, well, fortunate or unfortunate, whichever way you want to look at it, he's at this Liverpool team, whereas if he was somewhere else, he'd probably get a lot more game time and his development would be rapid. But I think under the tutelage of Critchley and Klopp, now he's broken into the first team a few sub-appearances, he's learning from the best and he's surrounded by players um, that have that quality that, you can only watch and learn and and and, and admire and, and see what you can absorb in like a sponge is. He's been really good. I was really impressed with him. I, I thought he ran um, the Band of the Match award tightly with Nico Williams. I probably agree with Dave. I'll give it to Nico Williams. That energy, that engine he's got to go up and down a right flank was awesome. It bodes well that we've got a person, a guy that we... We have confidence in if anything were to happen in Trent and not having to rely upon Gomez or Henderson or Milner to cover the right-back slot. So I think Nico Williams is proving that we perhaps don't need to look at that uh, position as a backup right-back uh, in the summertime. And I think it'd be good given his chance. I feel sorry for him that he's up against one of the best right-backs, if not the best right-back in the world, with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, but he can only learn from him, um, who's Arnold's not that much older than him anyway, but he's laid down the blueprint on how to get into first team and keep your place there. So Nico Williams can only just learn, but he's in a great place where he can learn firsthand. Um, Curtis Jones, I remember against the last game when he scored that fantastic goal against um, Everton and his post-match interview, I think by pitch side, he, he spoke about um, he's been drumming on to Jurgen Klopp and insisting that he needs a chance, he wants to play in the team, he's he's been pestering Klopp and he deserves his needs a chance. And at that time I was laughing to myself thinking he's had a great game against Everton, but um, to pressure Jurgen Klopp to come into this team where some world-class international players can't break into the first level and you've got this little kid who wants, who believes that he's good enough and Good for him. He's he's got opportunities to come on as a pitch, and he hasn't disappointed. He hasn't embarrassed himself or the club. And he actually thinks actually he's not that far away from being part of the first team setup on a more regular basis. So he's he's almost made the grade, and I'm so happy for him, a local-born guy, and he carries the heart of Liverpool with him like uh, Trent. And I think when you have players like that mixed with the quality from players around the world, it adds that authenticity of being a a family club, a, a club that is um, understood in the community to be one of their own. And I'm so happy for them. I thought Chiver, uh, 
Chiravella played well. He dictated the pace of the game. His passing long and short and when to slow it up or when to speed it up showed great maturity. Harvey Elliott was just a box of tricks. He just don't know what, which way he's going to go. He's so fast with the ball when he's running with it. I felt as though there was a, there was a moment at the end of the match where we, we could have made it 2-0 and they broke away for a classic Liverpool counter-attack. His pass was... Um, a bit too forward, and, and their keeper, O'Leary, came rushing out to clear it. I thought that could have been a little bit better, but obviously I'm nitpicking. These these guys were uh, at the last minute, so the game they must be tired, but that will come in time. He did well enough to um, warrant a, a, a place on the pitch there. And you're right, Sabandova, so, so all of us were a bit nervous about what kind of player would he be. It was the only real signing that we made in the summer, and is he going to be able to incorporate into this team? Um, but he showed a solid performance, and, and he's, all, he's obviously really young. As Dave said, he's only just turned 18, and there's a lot of maturity and learning to do. But what better place to do watching Van Dyke and <coughs> Gomez do their business? And Hoover, again, he's, he's a prodigy. He's going to come along really well. I thought Kelleher, although he didn't have many shots to save, or no shots to save, um, he added a, a calmness. I, I thought... It, the key moment for him was right in the injury time when he came out for that cross. He came quite far out and the ball was lofted quite high and there's many shoes with players lingering around to try and get some kind of knockdown or second balls. And Kelleher's handling and composure just to grab the ball, make it stick and just drop to the ground. He just killed all hope in that last few minutes. And we've often wondered how um, scary it is when you have those kind of balls and we've had Milanay and go and anything can happen then. But with Kelleher, you didn't seem to feel that. So um, I think I think he's got a good future ahead of him as well. And look look who his mentor is at the sticks as Liverpool's number one. You've got the best keeper in the world. So the amazing learning curve. I was really impressed with all the kids. Really, really impressed. I was also really impressed with <clears throat> James Milner. The role he played with the whole team, uh, requesting to join the training uh, asking if he can come into the dressing room. Can imagine James Milner, um, a seasoned professional and a true part of the Liverpool hierarchy, uh, requesting um, Neil Kitchley for permission to see if he can come in and have a chat with the boys. And he was shouting vocally to give him support. What true model profession he is. And if any of these boys want to learn how to uh, conduct themselves, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, what role model that you have with James Milner, where we've got all these other... Uh, first team players deservedly taking a break and going off all places around the world. He decided to stay back and um, support this team from home. And what a lesson to learn. I thought that was amazing. Good luck to him. And um, I hope he stays at Liverpool for a long time, way, way after he hangs up his boots and is part of the academy or the, the coaching staff. He's, he's really embodied what we believe in Liverpool after serving so many years at Villa, Newcastle, City. It feels like he's one of ours now, so um, I think I think the team is set up well for now and for the future. Yeah, that's a great answer and a very good point about James Milner. I hope he uh, he signs uh, gets into our coaching staff or something. We need him around. He's a Liverpool legend. You mentioned his journeyman career. He's been at Liverpool longer than he's been at any other club, I believe. Uh, now, so he's one of our own, as the Spurs fans sing about Harry Kane, that overrated diver. Uh, So Chelsea in the next round, um, I said emphatically it was Thursday the 5th 
of March um, at 8.45 p.m. kickoff because that's what it says on Soccerway and I believe pretty much everything I read on the internet. But then I looked on Liverpool's official site and it says TBC. So maybe the TV companies are allowed to show it and maybe they'll move it because it's a, a prestigious tie at Stanford Bridge, so just keep your eye on the official site before booking your tickets to London. That should be a good game. Um, but it comes, just to give you our fixtures before then, um, remember we need six more wins in the league to guarantee the Premier League title, which is the one we all want. Um, our next matches are Norwich, uh, then Atletico Madrid, then West Ham, then Watford, then Chelsea, then Bournemouth, then Atletico Madrid, the the return. And then it gets quite difficult with Everton, Crystal Palace and Man City in the league. So that Chelsea match chucked in the middle of those. Dave, we've got to play the kids again, don't we? We've got to just keep faith with these boys, even away at Stamford Bridge. And they're still going to kick it, aren't they? Yeah, um, I, I don't think you played the, the team that he played last night. I think you mix it up with the likes of maybe Lovren, Matip, Keita, uh, Lalana, maybe Shakiri if he's back fit, Milner if he's fit, um, Minamino. These type players will come in similar to the Everton. What we played against Everton, it was like a fifty-fifty mix of youth and experience. I don't think the under twenty-threes would go down with Neil Critchley or even Klopp down to Stamford Bridge on a cold. March the 5th, uh, Thursday night, and expect to beat Chelsea. Chelsea be looking out saying, if they're going to play down 23s, we'll play a strong team and we're in the quarterfinals. So it'll be a mix. It'll be an absolute mix. As you say, the games are going to come ticking fast. This break is nice for the lads. A lot of them are in Dubai and holiday and play. Hopefully none of them go to China. But um, other than that, it's, it's, yeah, I think there'll be a mix, 50-50 mix between youth and experience um, and to be honest, I think Klopp, especially what happened with the FA and the grief he's got for not being there and playing the under-23s. He got a bit of grief in the League Cup as well, remember, from the FA. So I don't think Klopp will be playing a first team. That's a defo against, because he's more or less thrown his towel in on the FA Cup. It's because of the FA, the way they treated him and talked about him in the club, dragged him through the mud. Even heard Sky News talking about it today. Like, forget about it. They won the bloody game. Okay, if you would have lost the game heavily, like you got beaten, hammered by Villa that time, people, you know, saying, oh, well, you deserved it. You put out a weakened team. But last night, they won the game. <laughs> it actually went against them. It went against the FA. It went against the naysayers, and the, which there's a lot of them, especially on Twitter. But um, no, it'll be a mix. It'll be an absolute mix. Whether or not mix will be good enough to beat Chelsea, a full team, a full strength uh, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, I don't know. Possible, of course. But I think all his eggs will be in the Champions League. All his le- eggs will be in the Premier League. Try to win the Premier League as soon as possible. Get it out of the way. It's what we want. It's what you want. It's what Liverpool wants. The world fan base wants. It's 30 years on. 30 years of hurt. It's been too long. And we've got to end it. Hopefully soon. Maybe sometime in March or early April. And then if we're still in the Champions League. Because we've got two leg tie against Atletico. It won't be easy. Tough. They're a tough side. They're not playing as well as they used to, of course. And even defensively, they're not as good. They've one or two injuries up front as well. But still, they're, they're a decent side. But you get past them, you're into the quarterfinals. Anything can happen. And if we can win the league early and then just concentrate in the Champions League, that's what I want. And that's where people talking about Invincibles, I said to John Gibbons earlier, that's where that goes out the window because of the fact that 
you win the league late March, early April, you four, six, seven games to go in the league, you don't even need to win them. You could lose them all and you've won the league anyway. That type of change sets in. That that mentality, um, Klopp, you know, if we're in the Champions League, could rest the spine, the likes of Allison, VVD, Hendo and the front three in certain games. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. I'd like him to do it because obviously the double would be unbelievable. But uh, back to the game against Chelsea. Yeah, I think it'll be a mix, 50-50 mix of experience and youth. The likes of Nico Williams, uh, Adrian could even get a game and goal. Likes of uh, Williams, as I said, uh, Elliot, Curtis Jones deserves a run out, but you'll throw in the likes of Minamino, Keita, Hendo, or not Hendo, Matip, Lalana, Shakiri. These Milner even maybe he's back from injury. These type of players will play. I just can't see him playing full strength, and I can't see him playing in under 23s team in London, I just can't see it, but um, what a time to be a Red Own and Robin, it's just, it's Area 51, it's dreamland, I'm going over for the parade, the last weekend, no one has, no one, they can't give the date for the parade, but I've heard inside information that it would be on the Monday, on the 18th of May, which is obviously the week, last weekend of the Premier League, and that's the plan, but obviously you can't announce it because you haven't won the league yet, but uh, I'll be there for that, but I just can not wait. It's a brilliant answer. I'm thinking about booking tickets to Istanbul, though, rather than the final. That's how confident I am in this team, because the parade will be delayed if we're in the Champions League final in Istanbul this year. Uh, but yeah, you said great answer. I think you nailed it, Dave, exactly. I think he will actually make a mix. It makes a lot more sense. Uh, but well done to those under-23s or under-21s or those under-20s um, or those under-17s from last night because it kept our run going of 21, now 21 home wins in a row in all competitions. That's... Mad. I mean, you'd be happy with six, you know, that's really good. Six home wins in a row and then maybe a draw and then another five. You'd be thinking, wow, this is a brilliant team. But 21 home wins, it's nuts. It's cosmic. It's certainly Area 51, the Alien Reds. Here are some more numbers for you that I've been putting together in this break. So, you know, from different sources, this is from... Uh, I think it's goal.com, I'm not quite sure. Somebody on Twitter posted that Liverpool have 73 points in the league. And then you can spell out, you will never walk alone um, without the abbreviation with the apostrophe. Uh, so Y-O-U-W-I-L-L-N-E-V-E-R-W-A-L-K-A-L-O-N-E. And if each letter is a point, then after you have spelled out you will never walk alone, comes Manchester City on 51 points. That's 22 points difference. Unbelievable. We've got 73 points. Leicester won it. People say it's in the high 70s. It's not true. When Leicester won it, it was 81 points. Um, it, according to form, the great Andrew Beasley said that... Um, According to the form book, if you take Man, Man City's form into account, then another six points only should see us win the league or something like that. I don't get it. I don't get it, but it's six wins to guarantee it. If City lose one game, then we could win it uh, against Bournemouth as the earliest on March the 7th, uh, which will be more than a month earlier than the earliest ever league title win which was Manche Manchester United I stumbled there stuttered saying the 
their awful name, the bastards. Uh, uh, anyway, Manchester United. No, I'm only joking. Respect to them. Um, it's very funny watching them flounder, isn't it? But they won it on April the 14th, two, 2001. <laughs> and uh, they... Um, uh, yeah, and we could win it on March the 7th. Wow. Um, another thing I put together, if there was a Super League of uh, the top five leagues in Europe being England, Germany, Italy, uh, Spain and France and we took the best teams in history from those top five leagues then you're talking Bayern Munich, uh, Juventus, PSG, Barcelona and Real Madrid and their best teams ever. Liverpool, this current Liverpool team would be top of the league after 25 games. So Liverpool this season have 73 points out of 75. Bayern Munich's best team ever had 71 points at the same stage. Juventus and PSG, 69 points after 25 games. And the best Barcelona team ever, well, teams, because it was in 10, 11 and 12, 13 seasons, they were on 68 points and the best Real Madrid team ever was also on 68 points after 25 games in their league. And to put, give you some kind of context as to how brilliant that is, that Real Madrid team, their best league team ever, was in 1960-61. This is the kind of levels that Liverpool are hitting. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, there's no top six in the Premier League anymore, Robin, I don't think. I think it's just a top one or maybe a top two because you put Man City, their performance in the last two seasons, in the top two because in the top six, this number blew my head as blew my head off as well exploded my mind cracked my brain tank and the fluids all leaking out of my ears um, if you put Manchester United and Everton I think points together and then you put Chelsea and Arsenal's points together none of them were still top of the league Robin um, is there only a top two now in the league is there just a top one I think you're fair to say top two. So it'll be Liverpool and the Liverpool youngsters, and then Man City will come third. Um, I think <laughs> I think we're that I think we're that far ahead. I think you've been Tottenham and Man United put together at 68 points. I think from your notes, um, but yeah, it's ridiculously high. Um, yeah, we don't talk about the top six anymore. Top four's now gone a few years ago now with um, with Man City and Tottenham breaking into that. And even now, we don't we don't talk about top four. How can we talk about top four with one of the teams 10th, 11th place and six points off, seven points off relegation? It's not really the same now, is it? Unless we're including top six with Sheffield United and Wolves as well in that. Um, it doesn't really count. And I think last season was the first season where uh, Man City and Liverpool pulled away and you can see they're a class above everybody else. And then since then, we've pulled away even further. Um Man City have dropped a little bit, yes. Um, they, they've got some problems and um, it's their fault for not addressing some of those problems. You see how well we do things as a club that we are trying to strengthen our position from uh, a position of um, superiority where we are. We're trying to look at players that not can just do the job now, but they've got a future. Our policy is to get players in that has a um, ability to to have a good sell-on value if you do want to sell it like Coutinho. 
but also the best years of their life are in front of him and Klopp and his coaching teams can develop them into good players from good players to world-class players where a season try to cherry-pick some of the best players across the world and even then that's not working and you see even from now uh, onwards the rebuilding Man City have to do would take a lot of work. So with the company, they'll never replace Otamendi um, and Stone are not really the type of players that you need to be able to push for a 95-plus point season. Then you can't you can't rely upon Laporte is not too bad, but he can't do it alone, as, as was proven this season. Uh, David Silva's going, whether Bernardo Silva or Joe Fo- uh, um, Foden's going to step into that place, we don't know. Uh, De Bruyne is 28-29, so he's at his peak, but he's only... Um, it's hard to see him getting better than what he is now, so he'll either sustain this high level or he's going to um, drop off in the next three or four years. And then obviously Aguero. Um, I doubt Aguero will be able to give another two seasons at, at the level that he's been. He's been great, great for them, but um, Jesus, Gabriel Jesus, doesn't seem like the same kind of quality player and you think what's going to happen. And Sterling, he's he's not been the same kind of player the second half of this season so far as he was with last in this season. Um, and there's also question marks whether Sane will come back to the form that he showed last season, and secondly, is he going to stay? So they look as though they've got a lot of work to do, and they've spent a hell of a lot of money um, this last few years anyway. And I think, um, Owen, you've mentioned about the net spend that uh, has occurred uh, over the last four years, five years since um, Klopp, um, since uh, Pep Guardiola has taken in charge with Man City, top of that list in the Premier League, where um, not Premier League in European leagues with uh, 527 million net spend, United uh, with 432 in second, Barcelona third with 326, thanks Coutinho, uh, four with uh, Juventus 178, Real Madrid 110. And we come a low down six with just 75 million. So if you look at from 2016 to 17, which is what, four or five years, four years ago now? So in those four years, we've spent 75 million pound net spend. So if you work that out, that's just under 20 million each season. That's nothing. Um, any Premier League team can spend 20, 20 million um, in net spend. But it's not just the players we spend, it's also the, the, the quality that we get, the value we get. And obviously, there's been a good few sales uh, in that period as well. So um, we've, we were all quite upset when Coutinho left and some big players left, and we wasn't sure what the team, how the team would adapt to that. We've lost a talisman, which we have done in the past with Torres and Suarez and Sterling and and Javi Alonso, Mascherano. We've lost big, big players, and all of those big players in the past has made our team weaker. Um, the last sale has made it stronger. So not just um proves that Michael Edwards and the team and Klopp know what they're doing. We use that as an opportunity rather looking at something negative to, to build for the future. And who'd know where we would have been if Coutinho was in, the te- was in this team with the, at the expense of uh, Van Dijk and Alisson. Um, we might not have been there. Um, I'm sure he's looking back at this and watching on his TV to think, wow, I could have been part of this. But I think Liverpool will go strength for strength. And there's lots of talk about Mbappe and... Um, or uh, Kai Havertz or Jordan Sancho. Um, we talk about players uh, with high price tags, wage structures, whether they fit or not. And I think all of us Liverpool fans, we understand there's a certain system that Liverpool employ and you just can't take any old player who, good as they may be for other clubs, it may not work for us. And we don't want to destroy a system where, where some of all parts 
And just because you're a great galactico doesn't mean that um, we can accommodate you or we, we should accommodate you. It has to fit in with the ethos of the style of Liverpool's play, the attitude to the show on the pitch, the, the culture they bring to the team and the, and the enthusiasm, and that's got to be part of it. And Mbappe divides a lot of us fans, even in our WhatsApp chat group. Um, some people want him, some people don't. Um, I'm a big fan of Mbappe, but um, not at the expense of destroying the wage structures build, which you can see the problems it's created at Arsenal, Man United for paying somebody top dollar and the rest of the squad are unhappy and there's never any harmony and, and they've not really recovered from those from those signings. So um, whether or not there's going to be another deal brokered by a sponsorship by other companies, I don't know how that will work, but I would take him and I'll, he'd easily improve the team. I think he's going to be the next superstar player for the next decade when, when Messi steps down. Um, but there is only one team. Any top player in the world, any elite, the creme de la creme, best players in the world, will look at all the clubs in the world, including your Juve, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, um, uh, uh, Real Madrid. They'll all look at them and think, do you know, of all the players, all, all the teams, Klopp's the man I want to play for, Liverpool's the club I want to be. The connection between the fans, the, the stadium, the love that the city shows the players, the how much they idolise, the the patience the Liverpool supporters show, and plus the style at which we play. It's a very attractive place. So even if we are going to strengthen and we're competing against the best other teams with Barcelona or Man City with the money, or PSG, I think the players will still want to come to us. Um, so it only bodes well for us that we can use what we are now to even get better. And that's really exciting. We haven't been in that position. We've always been looking for players, let's say, at the second tier. So especially when we weren't regularly qualifying from the Champions League. And we're trying to find players that we hope are going to be better, make us better, and ha- have a little bit of luck on our side. We're in a position now we can actually cherry pick the best. The problem that brings is to find a player on a market, on another club that we can get that's going to improve this team. Who are we going to get that's going to be better than... Sadio Mane or better than uh, Fabinho or Salah. It's, there's not many out there, so that becomes a new challenge and a problem which I've never experienced in my Liverpool career lifetime as a fan. Um, but it's an exciting point. And there's been a couple of transfer windows. Now, we've hardly spent anything, um, nothing. So this uh, winter uh, transfer period, we've only spent just over seven million. The summer Tamils peanuts with Harvey Elliott and uh, Vandenberg um, so we've saved a lot of money, especially after the back of such a good European run, new sponsorship deals, night deal coming in. We've got money flowing in from everywhere and we're saving it. So you feel as though the transfer kit is swelling up for a couple of big name signings to improve our squad. And we've been shown that it's um, it's, it's Klopp we can trust. Well, whoever gets cheap or expensive, they're going to be a hit. And it's exciting times ahead top one for many, many years, I hope. Yeah, it's really interesting to bring up uh, the transfer stuff. Um, there's something that I've been thinking about for years um, since the Neymar deal and Mbappe, of course, um, 220 million for Neymar, which is really sick, really. It's a sick amount of money. And of course, 
you know, you can go back way, way into the back into the nineties and Newcastle paying fifteen million for Shearer, which was you know at the time a, a shock, but two hundred and twenty million blows that out of the water, and I think it makes a it ha, it's had a massive difference on the transfer market. You were mentioning City and City falling apart, which is absolutely hilarious to watch, having spent a disgusting amount of £527 million, which I looked into the cost of building a hospital. I, th- I believe you can you can build three hospitals for that money. Uh, but anyway, they spend it on footballers. And what it does, this is, this is something that is hard to explain quickly, but I'll give it, I'll give it a go. Um, the reason why Man United, for example, can spend 432 million net spend um, and not really win anything apart from the Europa League and these tin pots um, is because there is a top level of the transfer market where you can buy, I think Mbappe, for example, he will improve or would improve any team he signed for any team in the world would be better for having a player like Mbappe. There aren't many of those around. There are maybe, I don't know, at the moment you could think of Messi as one of them, Mbappe is one of them. I would put uh, Van Dijk in there um, and Mo Salah, although would he improve Barcelona? Probably not because they've already got Messi in the same position. But... um, this bracket is extremely expensive, madly expensive, 200 million sort of minimum. Um, then you've got the second bracket further, you know, which is which are really good players. Um, Neymar's in the second bracket for me. Um, and you pay anything up to 200 million for these, but you could pay as little as you know, 10 million for them. I mean, we signed Minamino. He's not in the same bracket as Neymar. Okay. But he's almost there. And he's in a bracket of very, very good players who can improve many teams and certainly will improve the squad of pretty much any team in the world. And we got him for 7.25 million. So what I'm saying with transfers, regarding transfers, is I think we're right to stick to our principles because the gains you could make from signing Mbappe for 200, let's call it 250 million, 300 million pounds, it's the same gain that you would get from signing four or five players from this second tier, which you could easily afford for, you know, maybe even 150 million. You could get five players of extremely good quality because at the end of the day, football is a team game, Dave, and it's the team that counts. And we don't need to be going for these big players as much as I would love to see Mbappe in a red shirt and dream of that. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I don't see Mbappe ever going to Liverpool. I just don't see it. As Robin said, it very put it very well. The wage structure for one, I think it's on half a million a week. It's just not going to happen. Okay, Nike are coming in. They could broker, probably pay half his wages or something. But I just can't see it. It would break the harmony. It would break the rhythm. Klopp, you'd have a stroppy player. I mean, Mbappe is a bit of a stroppy player. He does throw a few shapes every now and again throws the stuff out of, of the pram and stuff, you know, his toys out of the pram. No, I mean, I can't see it. I heard it, actually, I think today that Real Madrid were looking for Mbappe 
and they had something signed with Mbappe and we're going to announce it pretty soon. So watch this space. Real Madrid going in for a Galactico. Would I like him in Liverpool? If, if someone said he was signing tomorrow, of course I would. But as, I, as Robin just said, it's, Liverpool have a system. That's how, we're, that's how we're, so, we're so good. We've got a system. You've got the fit. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Liverpool is like a top-of-the-range Harrods jigsaw. You're looking around in the transfer market. Big shout-outs, of course, to Michael Edwards. What a job. And FSG have done. Barry Hunter, the chief scout. These type of guys. What a job they've done. It's mathematical. It's E equals MC signed. It's it's like it's 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 Einsteinian stuff that goes into <laughs> nowadays. That's what it's about. It, it's equations. It's actual equations. We're in the money. We've plenty of money, as Robin just said. We have money coming out our ears. We're financially stable. We're in a great place. So everything is going for us. And Klopp being the manager, he's just signed a new extension until 2024. We've got all the top players in nearly every position. We've got the best goalkeeper in the world, Alisson in Wonderland. Best centre-half in the world, VVD. One of the best midfielders. The most, two of the best, actually. Fabinho and possible, well, I say player of the year, club captain Hendo. And three of the best forwards in the world. Mo Salah, Bobby Fabinho, and Mane in the mirror. We're in dreamland, but we, we complement that then. With the likes of Robbo and Trent. I mean, two great fullbacks. Who else is good fullbacks like them? If the likes of world-class pros, the best pros on and off the field, like Milly Vanilli, Milner, these type of guys. And, and like no one moans, no one straps. Being a big player, big for big money, all of a sudden other players are looking at it and going, he's not as good as me. Why is he on twice the amount of me? Why is he doing all the interviews? Why is his merchandise selling more? It won't happen. I cannot see it. Liverpool signing. Big, big world world star. Dave, can I ask a question? With yeah. Mbappe, right? So um, you and I agree that um, the the wage structure and the money that will take to bring a player like that is unfathomable. It just doesn't seem to make sense for us local fans. But let's just say if there was a deal that the money for the transfer and the wages was suitable. So, for example, let's say if he was paid £200,000, or two, so let's say £250,000, not that much more than Salah and some of the best players, £250,000 uh, for that world-class player. Obviously, it's a massive pay cut to what he currently gets or what he potentially can get at uh, PSG or Real Madrid or wherever it may be. But if there wasn't some kind of incentive-based structure where he gets X amount of uh, cash if he sets up an assist or if he um, plays for the team, uh, as in gets goals, if there was organised like that, would you accept him then? I'm not saying I wouldn't accept him. I'm just saying it's not in Liverpool's structure. As you said yourself, it's not in it's not in their DNA. It's just not there. I haven't seen it. I've never seen it. Um, it's, it's not there. It, he's a type of player that would go to Madrid. Now, he's been heavily linked with Madrid the last week, in the last week, especially um, even Barcelona. But Madrid, I think he'll end up, to be honest, in the summer. He's not happy at PSG. He wants out. We can see that. Had a fight with Tuchel last week. Got a few straps thrown the, the, the toys out of the park. Would I like him to deliver Bill Carson? Would he make it? He's one of the best players on the planet. As Owen said, he's the next level to Messi and Ronaldo. They're getting old now. They're going to retire soon. They're going to drop levels. He's going to go up to that level. But it's just not in Liverpool's DNA to sign Mbappe. I just don't see it. I just cannot see it. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't like it to happen. 
But if it was going to happen, one of the front three, I think, would have to go. Or likely would be Salah. I think Salah would be sold maybe in opposite direction or something. I just couldn't see them having the, those three, Mane, Salah and Bobby and, and Mbappe. I, just, I, I, I think it's pointless, guys, still, but it could be wrong. I don't know. And I want, I want their three amigos to stay together for as long as possible. I agree. I'm, I feel the same. Absolutely. Yeah, keep keep our boys together but uh, let's see you know in that's that sort of hypothetical dreamland of signing Kylian Mbappe let's get back to the reality because it's good enough without him and uh, we don't actually need him I think that is the bottom line there um, Manchester City are in second place I'm going to say it again they got 51 points I've got to say it again Liverpool have 73 that's 22 points of a difference. City are in an absolute mess. I just want to take this section of the podcast to just chuckle at them for a bit because they're losing their freaking minds. Um, I had a look on their Blue Moon forum um, and that guy famously on Radio 5 Live with Robbie Savage was his name, Statman Gav, Statman Gaz, something like that, who's just, he's just a raving, yes, you know who I'm talking about, Dave. He's just a raving lunatic. He's a loony. He doesn't listen to anything. He reckons they're all... It's all a conspiracy. There's a, another guy who filmed his granddad, who's an Everton fan on Twitter. He put it put it on Twitter. His, his granddad saying that Liverpool have bribed everybody. It's. I mean, we're we're sending people nuts. We're sending them crazy. Aluminium foil is selling out in Manchester so that people can make their tin hats. Um, they've spent 1.1 billion in 10 years. Um, and the way that it's all crumbling, the way that Robin was saying before about how their best players are getting old, retiring. They haven't done well to replace them. I don't think Bernardo Silva is the man to replace David Silva, for example. Raheem Sterling's fallen off a cliff. He's in terms of form. This isn't breaking tragic news, thankfully. Uh, but uh, he's uh, Raheem Sterling. His form is awful, I think, in terms of his assists. He has one assist in 23, I think, Premier League matches and 11 goals. He's not setting anything on fire. He's not even... The, his, his matches are all wet and they're in big trouble. I wonder, is this the end of Pep, Robin? Um, could it be the end of Sheikh Mansour? Can they get bored of this? Can they realise that uh, Owen from Cop On Podcast is correct with his analysis of the transfer market and it's pointless chucking money at things because the team is bigger? Is this the end of, of anything of the current city model or am I just uh, getting ahead of myself? There isn't many things from Owen from Coppon gets wrong, so he must be right. So <laughs> I, 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 I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> with Pep, uh, it's hard to see where he goes from here. Um, he's probably at the stage of his Man City career now where he has to reinvent and re, re energize his team again. So that might be rebuilding. So some of the great managers in the Premier League have rebuilt t- uh, teams, like maybe like uh, Mourinho or more. Um, more famously with uh, Fergie. Um, and could Pep do that? I don't know. We've always known that he burns out after a few years. The intensity plays out. He can't sustain that for a long period of time. It's shown that in his last two clubs. And whether or not he can do this again, I don't know. Whether or not he has the desire or the hunger or the energy to do that again, who knows? Maybe the players are um, 
plateaued with his training techniques, his philosophies, his motivational speaks, maybe they're all uh, the, much about the same. Um, can, can you find another gear? Who knows? Um, so I don't think he could do more than what he's already done with the team that uh, reached 100 points because that was, uh, uh, credit to them, that was a groundbreaking team and, and they took the Premier League to new heights. Um, so can he do that really again? He had a very special group of players that not only he inherited, but he bought, but it all gelled together. To get that chemistry right from a rebuilding stage takes a lot of work. Some of the great teams in the past had a great um, squad and they just kept adding to it year after year. So that continues. So as one player declines and comes to the end of his stage or form, another one will be peaking. So there's a continuation of that. Um, you, It seems like they still have to rebuild from last season. Now, one, two seasons ahead of that, how are they going to do that? How many players are there in the world that they can spend, um, go buy and spend to sustain a level to match this Liverpool team, which still has legs for another two, three years at least before we think about replacing some of the top players? And But Liverpool are already starting to do that with Minamino, and I'm sure we'll see one or two more in the summer as well. So we, we've stolen a march on that recruitment already uh, to uh, look at the future. Man City got to start now. I'm surprised they didn't get anybody in the winter, in, in the January transfer window, probably because there isn't anybody of value or uh, somebody's going to be uh, able to make their team better. So they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, I don't see them becoming better anytime soon. Um, I think they'll still be better than all the other teams. Uh, there's no doubt they've got a very good squad there, better than your Chelsea's, United's and um, Tottenham's, but um, whether or not this Pep can do it, I don't know. And if it, even if Pep goes, there's lots of like um, rumours about whether he'll stay or not. I think he's come out to say that he's going to stay beyond this season. Fine, OK. Uh, but let's say hypothetically he was to go. Who are they going to get? Which manager is out there that they can get that's going to be better than Pep, apart from Jurgen Klopp, of course, but he, he's not going. But who else can they get? I don't see anybody um, they can get to make that, sustain that same kind of level. So it's not great times for them. They'd probably be happy with a Champions League win, which we, um, Champions League trophy win, which still needs a little bit of luck. To be able to sustain um, a Premier League push next season, it'd be tough because now they've set the bar at 100 points or thereabouts to win the Premier League. And we've just come along and realised that actually, OK, if that's the bar, we need to be better than that. And boy, have we been better. Um, so we're looking at, you mentioned, Owen, 81 points for Leicester won the league. 81 points is no way good enough anymore. I don't see 81 points winning the Premier League for a number of years now, the way things are going. So I think you're looking at 95, maybe 100 points plus. Um, Sheikh Mansour, would he... Would he give up? I don't think so. I, I just think he's got so much money, him and his um, Abu Dhabi mates. He's got so much money. They just pump it in to try and see if they can win it again. Whether or not that's the model they want to employ, but I think they still want to win it. I don't know if the desire is going to be there if they, if they do ever win a Champions League to say, actually, we've won everything, what we've done now. Um, it's hard to say. What I'd like us to do, more importantly, is obviously go for as many trophies as we can. I'd love to get over 100 points. Not just over 100 points, over beat Man City's total, so we we set that bar high as well. I'd love us to get invincible. I think one of our WhatsApp group friends, um, Joe, mentioned that he wants it all. Me too. We want over 100 points, so I want to be invincible. 
I want us to win the Champions League. Premier League's more or less in the bag. And now that we're still in the FA Cup, um, as, as, as unattractive as that can be, I want us to win that. So the one um, uh, success that Man United always gone about is that famous treble winning season. And I want us to not only beat that, but beat that with such style that everybody forgets about the Man United record. And they only remember this great team that not just won the Premier League and the Premier uh, FA Cup and Champions League, the one that was such style, undefeated with all the 100 points, nothing else comes close because I don't think we'll ever be as close to perfection as we ever are now. So let's sweep up every single trophy along with the Super Cup, um, European Super Cup and the World Cup uh, trophy. And, and everybody remember this as the greatest team in a single season ever, full stop, bar none. Great idea. I mean, wouldn't it be fantastic to to do that? Um, uh, looking at our average age, is about perfect. You know, the blend of youth and experience is 26.7. We've got so many players in their prime. Our captain being one of them. Wow, what a player. Um, Dave, what do you make of what's going on at City, whose average age is 27? What do you make of the mess up... up up the road there. Yeah, um, well, I'm obviously happy about it, but uh, um, I, I, I have a feeling, I'm, this is just the thing, they're under huge pressure to win the Champions League. They've never won it. They have Real Madrid, and Real Madrid haven't been great, but I, I can see Madrid beating them. I can't see them getting past Madrid. Then the question comes in with uh, Sheikh Mansour and all the boys, uh, the group that owned them, and even probably Pep himself probably looking at it and going, it's such a big building job to come up here. Is it work? Should I move on? As he said, he gets itchy feet after three or four years. Um, I don't know. I think if they get knocked out by Madrid, it's going to be a lot of questions asked. They spent so much money in the last few years. They, and they, I can't see them win the Champions League this year either. They must be looking at Liverpool and going, dirty bastards, won the Champions League. The one thing we haven't won, they're going to win the league this year. Possibly even the Champions League again. Our favourites at the moment, I think. I think we've overtaken City as favourites. I don't know how Manchester City are favourites. Surely the bookies have got that one wrong. We've never won the bloody thing. But they're in a bit of disarray. Now, to be fair, they have missed Laporte at centre-half and been playing Ferradinho. And he's not a centre-half. He just isn't a centre-half. And he's been missing in midfield. So he has been a big miss. The goalkeeper hasn't been as commanding as he usually was. Alisson's number two, of course. And... Sané up front really has been a huge loss to him. He, he was brilliant last year for them, Sané. Um, you could say Guerrero still is good, but Sterling's gone off the boil big time in the second half of the season. So there's been a lot of things that have happened to them. Um, as well, they've lost six games in the league. That's unheard of. I don't think any team, you can check this one on, stat man on, any team has won the Premier League with, with more than five losses in a season. I think five is the magic number. You dare not lose, and then you will not win the league. Premier League anyway, I think they're on six now, so, you know, but um, yeah, they're in a bit of disarray, they have money, that's the only caveat I would throw into it, they have money to do a rebuild but as we said, it isn't always the thing about throwing money at, throwing money at things, it doesn't always work Liverpool's model of Harrods jigsaws and finding the right pieces of jigsaw, not really expensive mid-range, 30-40 million pound players, like Fabinho and Salah and then turning them into golden pieces of jigsaw that's what we've done so well over the last three or four seasons. City have a different setup. We're a different team. We're, you know, we're all teams. They have three or four superstars. I think they're in this array. They need a huge 
spend in the summer. They need five or six players, to be honest. Um, will Pep have the stomach or the hair for that? I don't know. But to be honest, I couldn't give a shit about them. It's all about Liverpool. <laughs> that is the bottom line. I only mention them to laugh at them, really, in passing. Because unlike them, um, if you haven't noticed... Um, not one song has been sung about them at Anfield because we're more just reveling in our joy and wonder at this season. I was at Anfield last weekend. I'm eternally grateful to my amazing girlfriend Stephanie for organising a surprise birthday. It was the big 4-0 for me, 40 years old. Uh, on the 25th of January so do write that down for my 41st birthday I accept cake and tea if you want to send it in I could send my address with pleasure Uh, but she surprised me with tickets for the match it was absolutely insane it was such an amazing surprise my first time going to the match at Anfield since I lived in the beautiful city of Liverpool back in 98-99 And I just want to talk about it briefly because there are certain things that I noticed from going to the match live that you just don't get on TV. And people who go, I do hope you know how freaking lucky you are. I mean, I'm happy for you that you go get to go more often than once in 20 years like me. But some of the things I noticed... From going to the match, um, first of all, Jordan Henderson is uh, probably the best midfielder in the universe as we speak. Um, he, he was It was a 10 out of 10 performance against Southampton. Mohamed Salah was my man of the match with another 10 out of 10 performance. But Henderson was superb. The song he got, I mean, it's, a, it's an old opera tune. I'm not quite sure if it's Beethoven or Mozart or Rossini. I can't remember, but it's, you know, Henderson, Henderson, Henderson. Oh, Jordan Henderson, that one, or whatever that is, um, my classical music knowledge isn't that good, but it's uh, fitting that it's an epic tune for an epic player. But what you don't get on TV is his leadership. He's barking at players like a Rottweiler who wants the bone next door. Um, he's barking and he's screaming at players and he's demanding of everybody their utmost concentration, their utmost effort, their utmost skill level. What a leader he is. Uh, Virgil, Alison, Alison's presence. He's bigger in real life than he is on screen and he's massive on screen. But his presence, his aura, I mean, he's famously... Um, if you follow Twitter, there was a great tweet, I think, by the Anfield rap uh, that uh, since March 2018, Alison has baptised... No, sorry. Since December the 4th, 2019, Alison has baptised more people than he's conceded goals. And there is some kind of holy force field around the man. Um, 
do, I mean, do you guys ever get to to Anfield at all? I mean, are there things that you notice? I mean, obviously the formation, the tactics, the atmosphere was strange as well. But strange, I say strange deliberately, because there's this aura of shock that we're in this position. There is this collective like, what, really? This hesitation, this this mad sort of, wow collective gawping that goes on at this monster the Jurgenaut. I don't know Robin do you get to the games Dave do you get to the games ever I've been uh, quite a few times um, I haven't been this season I'm dying to go this season um, I think it's difficult because the, the, the availability of tickets is so scarce at the moment I think everybody wants to watch this Liverpool team at the moment um, but I've been a number of times and I loved it um, I haven't seen um, uh, yeah, Klopp this season and I'm desperate to go again in uh, March I'm hoping to get tickets but now as we soon to be tying up the Premier League again the availability of tickets it's not that easy I've got a few friends that are trying to source some tickets or if there's any space season tickets uh, holders that are willing to give up a ticket here or there I'd love to go but nonetheless I think we're, we're also planning to go to the parade so your inside tip Dave is really helpful um, I've tried to book hotels for three different nights, trying to predict when it might be, um, whether it's before the Champions League or if it's after, if we're still in the final, who knows. And I tried to book a spot there uh, with my family, my two little girls, so they can uh, absorb the atmosphere and the passion of um, the Liverpool crowd. Um, but yeah, when, when you see, when you watch a match, you get to see a bigger picture from what the players do, which the camera doesn't always follow. And you get to vocally hear some of the players barking at instructions, which again is sometimes shielded on the microphones or on the TV cameras. But Henderson's always been like that. It's just, um, and Van Dijk too, always uh, checking on people, giving them uh, confidence. Also like when Henderson, he, he plays close to a player who might need a little bit more support. So he is always offering himself to be available for the ball to relieve some tension and pressure. If somebody's having a poor five minutes, ten minutes in a match, whether it's Trent or Gomez or whoever it may be, he, he plays closer to them to try and take that pressure away and get them to regain their composure and find their confidence and feet and play play back again. Um, he's just all round great. And he's what a journey he's been on from when he first joined to where he is now. He wasn't a fan's favourite, a little bit like Lucas's story. He wasn't always um, appreciated by the Liverpool fans, and I think uh, more and more people are coming around to him now. Now it's got to a point where you've got nationwide critics saying that he's our player of the season, uh, regardless of um, whichever team wins it. He's the best player in the Premier League, and it's nice to see that. And um, one thing was really touching for me was um, when he won the Champions League and the way he embraced his father in the crowd. You can see how much this meant to him. You can see the kind of journey he's read, how he promised his dad when he was a kid that he's going to lift a trophy like this and he's come true. And I can't wait for that moment when he has um, that when with his family, when he lifts the Premier League trophy. He's done us all proud. Uh, Macam or not, Sunderland-born or not, he's one of ours, just like you said. He's, he's really embodied that spirit of Liverpool. And it's a hard boots to fill from Steven Gerrard, the greatest captain arguably ever in our history, to take that mantle on and do it with this kind of um, maturity, professionalism, leadership, it's its excellent. He's going to go down as a legend in uh, most Liverpool books, especially with the trophies he has and he probably will win in his future. 
I'm so proud of him. And Alison, oh, what can I say about Alison? This guy's phenomenal. He just knows how to keep clean sheets. He just blocks things out. He makes difficult things look easy. His calmness is on the ball is good. His distribution is good. We can all talk about how great Alison is, but he's been a revelation since he's come to our team. But the whole team's uh, been really good. I was quite impressed on the Southampton game with how uh, Oxlade Chamberlain played. He he did well to cover for Mane, um, and I think he's starting to regain that form and that rhythm that he had before he had his horrible injury last well uh, the year before last. And he's been a bit patchy this season, coming in and uh, in and out of the team. And he's had a few games now, scored two goals on the bounce. And he was always a menace to uh, Southampton. They struggled without him. Um, and Firmino is now for since Christmas time. He's he's picked up form. I think the first half of the season, um, again, he wasn't quite there. Whether he had odd games, I think a Newcastle game was brilliant when he came on as a sub. But I think now we're hitting top form. I think. Um, players are coming into the business end of the season. They'll all pick up that form. I think um, uh, Firmino, Salah, Henderson has been great. Fabinho um, needs a bit more game time. Uh, we all know what a great player he is. Ronaldo's Mr. Reliable, never gives the ball away. I've never seen a man beat so many players without actually moving. His body movements, his shimmies, his stepovers. There's all these tricks and skills. The ball doesn't move a bit and these other players go flying in every direction. He is a joy to watch. <laughs> He's so good. And um, Van Dijk and Gomez have hit a really nice partnership as well. And it's strange. There'll be times this season we think Fabina's the best player uh, to uh, join. Not Fabina, sorry. Um, Matip's the best player to partner uh, Van Dijk. Then there's Lovren, who had a really good sustained run and everything. OK, he's, he's kicked out some of his errors and erraticness that he does. And now Gomez comes in and he's Mr. Reliable. How many goals have they conceded um, against us? I think just the one. Uh, if I'm uh, not wrong, uh, who was that? I forget now who it was. We had a seven, eight match um, uh, clean uh, sheet streak and we just let one goal in. And I'm looking forward to breaking loads of records. We we're really close to breaking the record for the most consecutive wins. And I think we, we blew it against a 1-1 draw against uh, United. And I think we're coming up to breaking that record all again, just in one season. It's phenomenal. The stats just keep rolling on. Um, I remember when Man City won the league with 100 points. There were so many records that broken. It was impressive. And I think we're going to break all of those. Imagine you wait a generation, a lifetime to break some of these records and you set the bar so high, two seasons later, they're worth nothing because Liverpool have just done even better. Um, but it's brilliant. It is brilliant. And there are stats, uh, you know... It- just just crazy numbers going on but you're right it's the effects it's the emotions of it all there was a a, a sort of older gentleman sitting uh, on our left and he just had this look of like rapture but he was quiet and he didn't shout in the whole match I mean obviously when we scored he didn't really sing I don't know if he was shy I don't know what was going on he didn't sing out loud like anyone or shout at anyone or anything like that he was just sitting there wide-eyed with this sort of permanent sort of smile and he was humming to himself he was humming Liverpool tunes softly and quietly with rapture and joy and um, it's incredible incredible times that one goal that we conceded was against 
Wolverhampton on the 23rd of December away, of course, where Adama Traore, a double-triple cell code, threw our defence and, and laid on that, that lovely cross uh, that was uh, beautifully headed home by the excellent Raul Jimenez. Uh, so well done to them. But apart from that, yeah, we're not giving up any goals. Even the kids aren't conceding goals. This is glory, glory time. Our next match, Dave, is against Norwich City on the 15th of uh, February and own and the Premier League being dicks uh, gave us a late kickoff. So even though we're playing the following Tuesday against Atletico Madrid, so just three days after, they gave us the late kickoff on Saturday against Norwich. Would that affect you, your choice, your starting lineup, Dave? Or do you think after this winter break we need to play our best team and get and give them some rhythm and then, you know, just seventy two hours later send them out at the Wanda Metropolitano? Or would you play full strength against Norwich and then just roll out Divock at the Wanda Metropolitano, Divock's spiritual home. What are you doing for these next two matches, Dave? No, I'd go full strength. Norwich, full strength. You want three points away from home. Tricky little away uh, place, half five on a Saturday. We've had two weeks off. Players arrested. They're ready to go. We'll have one or two with our first pick. Hopefully even Mane will be back. No, I'd, I'd go full strength for Norwich and let, let the, the Atletico game take care of itself. We just got to get back into getting three points underway. I think City played the, week, the weekend, actually. City played West Ham on this weekend, believe it or not, which is a weird one. But um, I, I don't know how that one's working out. Is that true? City play West Ham this weekend? I don't know. I don't give a crap about City. That, yeah, there, there, there's about four uh, fixtures this weekend, I think, on the Saturday, Sunday. So they will have their two-week break starting from this Saturday. Yeah. The World Premier League have done. They've staggered the games half and half. So we get our two weeks in first. They'll be playing the 15th. City will play on the weekend, and then they get their two weeks off. Do you so know what? At least, oh at least, because yeah. of the League Cup final, I think. City, Possibly, City, yeah. City play Aston Villa in the League Cup final, don't they? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's only City. I mean, you're saying you would you would go full strength for Norwich and, and, and let Atletico take care of itself. But surely, if you're going to prioritise anything, having a 22-point lead, you're going to prioritise Atletico, aren't you, Dave? No. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not taking my foot off the pedal. I've had my foot on this pedal for 30 years. I'm not taking it off against Norwich away. Just get the three points there. And move on to the next. Take it game by game. That's what Klopp does. He doesn't even think too far ahead. He won't even be thinking about Atletico Madrid. He'll be thinking about Norwich on his holidays with a sangria, sitting by the pool. He's probably even listening to this. Well, he will be listening to this, as far as I know. But, um, so, no. I, I full strength against Norwich. Get it in. Get the win. Look at Atletico. But it may be, um, what's that song? One night in Bangkok. One night in Divock. One night and dinner, <laughs> the team go crazy. Something like that. No, I wouldn't even do it on. No, I, I want this league. The Champions League is, is, is you know, it's a, it's a huge trophy, of course, but it's the league. It's all about the league. Just win the bloody league. Get it over with. If we're still in the Champions League, then he might start, you know, tinkering with the team and resting a few players like a VVD, Allison, maybe Hendo and maybe the front boys. No, we have to, like, you just don't want any stutters. You just want to win it. And I want to win it as quickly and as early as is possible. But just back on to the thing you said to Robin earlier on about going to Anfield. I don't get over enough. The last time I was there was the Leicester City game where we got a penalty and deep in injury time 
Man, they got a penalty and Milly Vanilli put it away. And we beat that. It was October the 5th, I think it was. That's the last game. I was in Anfield. But um, it's so hard to get tickets. I'll be asking your Stephanie for tickets. She must have, she must have um, some little trick to get two tickets for a Southampton game because they're not, they're not easy to get on. It was amazing to be there. It was incredible to be there. And I don't know, another thing that stood out for being there is from being there is that Mo Salah is our best player. Um, Mo Salah is definitely our best player. He's underrated by some who say that Sadio Mane is our best player or that Jordan Henderson should get player of the year. No, 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 no. Mohamed Salah, he's working in microseconds, in nanoseconds, whereas everybody else is just, you know, experiencing life and time at the normal rate. Mohamed Salah is not. Um, I watched a compilation of his best bits uh, from 2019-20. I'm sure there are a few of them on YouTube. Do go and check them out, listeners. Do go and check them out, because it's only in slow motion that you get to see the cogs of Mohamed Salah's mind working, and they were so quickly they were around they purr that it's it's liquid lightning what goes on in his brain i'm sure um yes you're actually right about salah salah reminds me of a fly a fly is reality is slowed down so we call salah the fly that's what salah is. you're absolutely right yes and that's true it's the same for cats as well oddly um yes depending on how your brain receives light uh, through your eyes, it, you know, determines how, how, how quick or slow the world seems, which is why cats can catch, you know, fast flying things and uh, we can't. And that's why flies can avoid you when you try and clap them out of the sky. Um, you're absolutely right. And that's what Mohammed Salah is. He's just processing the frames faster. Um, it's absolutely incredible. Sadio Mane's on a similar wavelength, but but Mo Salah is just ridiculous. And another player who had me drooling before we wrap up today, because we've gone over time, is Naby Keita. And I think Naby Keita could be the man for the Atletico match. I have, you know, penciled him in the team sheet of my mind. I know that Jurgen Klopp has you know, more than earned, I mean, I'd put it quickly, Jurgen Klopp knows shitloads more than I do about football and our players. But Naby Keita, I, I mean, Atletico Madrid, they've only got one way of playing. They're going to be defensive, they're going to be dogged, they're going to be the most dogged defensive team since Mourinho's Porto. And in a game like that, um, Klopp will need a solution and I think the solution is Naby Keita because that one pass, I was in perfect line for that one pass that Naby Keita played to Bobby Firmino and I was watching the game right in front of me and Naby got the ball right in front of me and I, I swear to you there is nobody watching in that ground who saw that that pass was even on and then to make it it's just... Oh, 
it's just I don't know. It's making me, it's making me shake, Robin, with anticipation and wonder at what Nabby Cater can do for the second half of the season. Am I building my hopes up like so many Liverpool fans have done, and Nabby Cater, and then he's going to get injured, or is it this time he's going to stay fit to the end of the season and lead us to glory? He will lead us to glory. Yes, absolutely. He's um. He is a special player. He's been unfortunate with injuries and we hope that it's all behind him because he, he wasn't that injury pro when he was at Lightspeak. So um, we're hoping that he just, just keeps playing, doesn't pick up anything and then hit that top form. And God knows where his ceiling is because we haven't seen it. When he has had the run of games, we've all been impressed with him. But then we can say that about all these players, uh, Oxlade as well, um, when the play really, even um, uh, Alan Lalana, he's when he's been uh, had a string of games, he's come in and done a job. But we've got a number of players of these Owen that um, can find a pass from nowhere, including uh, Salah, uh, Mane, Firmino, Trent, Robbo, and even uh, Henderson, Fabinho, and uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, VVD. They've all got good pass in them as well. So. Uh, Atletico traditionally have been very dogged, very defensive, well-structured defence. Uh, Simeone has them well-drilled to understand how to de- uh, defend a team. But we've got a team that's very good at breaking those kind of defences down. We've done it for nearly two years now. We've got the tools to open up a defence. The Atletico that um, has been awesome in Europe for a number of years, I don't think it's the same Atletico this season. I think they're languishing around six and they lost the Madrid derby the other day. So I think they can be got at. And we are a superstar team. I would agree with Dave. Put the full team out in Norwich. Put the full team out in um, the, the Champions League game. We've, we're at this luxury point now where um, all of our players seem to be coming back from injury when the rest of the the rest of the Premier League are complaining about players being injured, they've played too many games, they've got stress fractures or whatever it may be. We've nearly got a full team to pick from. Apart from Paul and Nathaniel Klein, I think we'll, we'll have everybody, even uh, Millie will be back as well. So it's such a strong position. So even if one or two do pick up an injury and a knock, which I hope they don't, from the Leicester, uh, from the Norwich game, we'll still have more than enough to cover that in the, in the, in the Champions League game against Atletico. And the luxury, um, the second part of that is, even if something didn't go quite right, even if we drew 0-0, 1-1, or even if we lost 1-1, we've still got Anfield in the second leg. So we, we've got more than enough to be able to pull it back. So let's, Dave, Dave said, foot to the pedal, let's get all six, uh, three points, let's get the win against Atletico, wrap up the Premier League, and then we can concentrate on the other tournaments. Um, I wouldn't change anything. Naby Keita is going to be a very special player. And he's at an age where he's still developing. He's still young. He's nowhere near his top four. Imagine what he's going to be like under the tutelage of um, Jürgen Klopp in two, three years' time. If he can shake off and become stronger and be be able to um, pull in a string of performances, then he will be awesome. A little bit similar to Henderson's story as well. There was a period a few years ago that he had loads of little niggling injuries and um he couldn't find any rhythm, and he's come out of that. We were we were talking not that long ago, maybe about a year ago. Can Henderson really play two games in a week? Nobody even talks about that now. It's, it's a thing of the past. No one is playing two games a week. Is playing at the highest level. Well, you said Owen about Salah being the player of season, Liverpool's best player. I don't think many people argue with that. Some people may have an opinion whether it's Van Dijk or Allison or Mane or Henderson. 
So what the all Liverpool players, we, we love them all equally. I think all of them are special. This generation of players that come along, we're happy for all of them. As long as we're not saying, oh, should Vardy win instead of Salah, or should uh, Harry Kane or Bamiyang or uh, De Bruyne, they don't even come to question. How can those players come into question when Liverpool are 22 points ahead of at least the nearest rivals? So if it's Salah or Mane or Henderson, I'll be happy for any one of them. Yeah, super answer. Yeah, absolutely. And the team is... Is is just brilliant. There's world class everywhere, and it plays together brilliantly. It's it's so great. It's so great. So I mean, that's pretty much all we've got time for for today. Thank you very much. I want to just quickly go back. Um, there was a you know erratum. Um, I made a mistake earlier that uh, I said that if City lose one match, we could win the title. Um, against Bournemouth that's not true if City lose one match we can win the title at Goodison and if they do really badly then we can the earliest we can win it is against Bournemouth so that's on on March the 7th and um, I believe the Everton match is around about the 15th 16th um, 16th I think of March so that could be just ridiculous ridiculously good uh, which I don't know, but any time would be ridiculously good, wouldn't it? Any time of winning it, 30 years of hurt, as Dave said right at the top, is coming to an end. Um, thank you so much, guys. Uh, thank you, just thank you enormously for joining me on this sort of, you know, walk around the 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 statue, the glorious Michelangelo statue of Liverpool FC. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Well, there we have it. That's pretty much all we've got time for. But just before this episode slips into the seas of time to be drowned forever, please let me just remind you that I would love to hear from you via coponpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at cop on podcast you can support us on patreon.com forward slash cop on podcast for as little as one us dollar per month or you can do none of those things but still really help us by sharing cop on with someone you love someone you loathe or someone you don't even know thanks a shit ton for listening We'll be back soon, and until then, just think about this season and keep smiling, brothers and sisters. Keep smiling, keep laughing, keep that misty, dew-eyed feeling of joy. Just think about this juggernaut, the Jurgenaut of Liverpool FC. These are halcyon days.